0: Expanding our knowledge through those amongst us is a privilege we take for granted. Join me as we explore the minds of our fellow beings to unlock their knowledge for ourselves. Greetings, fellow travelers and storytellers. Welcome to the Arthadian Anthologies podcast, where I, MS Arthadian, dive into the ever-expanding universe I'm developing, and the deeper meaning behind it all. We've made it to the second guest entry of the second season. For this entry, Jaren returns to show us just how knowledgeable he is in the philosophical sphere. Once again, this is an unedited conversation, so let's not wait any longer hello and welcome to another guest entry this time i have a returning guest jaren marsilio uh who was on the podcast on entry five if you haven't heard it yet please go and check it out it is our the top podcast as of right now um everyone seems to like you jaren
1: i am the cash cow of guest stars yeah i don't don't, yeah that is true
0: (laughs) (laughs) uh but uh entry 20 he also returned um that was the last episode of the first season now we are on the eighth episode of the second season entry 28 and we are talking about philosophy today uh this is a um passionate subject of mine as well as yours um Well, let's just get into it.
1: Well, okay, let's do it. Let's do it. Okay, so first question, go for it. Uh, First
0: question, uh, how do you define philosophy? Uh, I'll give kind of my definition. Um, I believe philosophy is kind of the the understanding of existence and how we kind of perceive ourselves in that existence. That's literally what I was going to say
1: well I mean okay I mean yeah there's a dictionary definition for it but really all philosophy is us just trying to understand our own existence and then just doing something about that yeah the thing is a lot of the time we never really can answer it and this is the tough thing about philosophy which is that you can't really say that many, philo- many different philosophies are true or false you can make like arguments for it and say oh this is more probable but you can never really get a definitive yes or no
0: yeah I mean it that that's where it kind of it toes the line between like religion, like it's literally really, really okay. close to religion because like you know many different religions say that theirs there is the truth, but then, but then you never know what the truth is until you potentially meet your demise.
1: Well, many different. To- well, I was gonna say yeah. many different philosophies are inspired by religion. Yeah. Like, like, I mean, Descartes is definitely inspired a lot by religion, and his it has the universal standard I like to use. You know, the Cogito, which is you know, I think, therefore I am. Whenever I try to talk philosophy with others, or if I'm ever going to talk religion with others too, I usually start that as a starting point, because that is the starting foundation for pretty much anything. Because if you can conceive that you think, if you acknowledge that you're thinking, then you at least know you exist. But that's yeah. all we can really ever know. There's very few truths in the world, but that is definitely one of them.
0: Yeah. It's like, I think, therefore I am. Mm-hmm.
1: Who said that? Uh, Descartes. Uh, Descartes. Yeah, Descartes. <laughs> Cogito, Yeah. In the meditations. Oh, wow.
0: Yeah. And look, 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 look at you. You know your philosophy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thank you. Don't, don't struck my ego too much. Okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Still yeah, trying
1: I, to learn like everyone else.
0: To be honest, when I, when I started getting into philosophy, I started listening to a podcast. It's called um, uh, History of Philosophy Without Any Gaps. And basically, I got up to uh, Latin, um, Latin Christianity philosophy uh, back uh, before like the Roman Empire. A collapse and stuff mm-hmm. and um yeah that's where I'm where I left off there and then I, I started working on, on all all my lore and stuff you know and I got really fed up in that um but I do want to return to it at some point uh just so, to kind of like explore deeper beliefs into uh, my universe and like how how I can use that to kind of write in in um greater societies that have Grown out of, you know, different reigns, I guess.
1: Well, of course, Well, philosophy is definitely gonna be playing a bigger role in your game. I mean, that's part. That's pretty much the main reason why we're having this guest episode in the first place. Yeah. But I mean, there's still those that have the interpretation that you know actually trying to learn things is a terrible idea. Yeah. Whatsoever, and you can actually find this in a lot of Eastern philosophy as well. But pretty much, um, pretty much, there's this state of inaction, like non-action, which is known as Wu Wei. And you can find this closely related to Taoism, which is you know uh, pr- practiced by Lao Tzu. And You're saying a lot
0: of words that I have no idea what's going
1: on. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'll do my best to contextualize. Yeah. We, yeah. we could get to this. We, we, I can. I can go more in depth when we go to the different yeah, questions. Yeah. So, so we can do that. That was how we define philosophy. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. It's okay. <laughs>
0: So the second um, the second part to this, um, how is philosophy uh, – how can philosophy be used in a literary sense? Um,
1: well, philosophy is – well, okay. So um, when we compare Western and Eastern philosophy, so Western philosophy, which we're most familiar with, you usually have like a point-by-point point kind of thing, which is like the um, – Socratic method of debate. Yeah. You know, you say one point, and then I say a point, we provide some evidence, address counter-arguments, you know, that's why it's called point by point. But in Eastern philosophy, they tend to rely more on storytelling in order to get their point across. Okay. And they don't always need, like, specific So it has to be, like, metaphors in a way? In in a lot of ways it can be, but a lot of them are also just dialogues as well.
0: Okay. Oh, so... So, like, like, the dialogues of, like, Plato or something like yeah, that? Yeah,
1: th- th- very similar to, um, uh, like, the Theatetus. Yeah. Or in uh, Plato's Republic, or along those lines of work, too. There is, like, dialogues that happen as well within Eastern philosophy, too. Okay. But um, I really like the comparisons they make in Eastern philosophy, and the way they really tell their stories is very, like, it- it's inspiring, but no understanding, like, the many different beliefs that go into each one, because... A lot of people like to associate, like, Eastern philosophy with a sort of, like, authoritarianism. Yeah. But there are many of those that don't actually take that point of view. But the reason why they have that association is that Eastern philosophy already accepts that having a ruler is just, while Western philosophy debates if there should even be a ruler, and if so, then what's the legitimacy for it? So, for example, in Western philosophy... Uh, we could say some forms of legitimacy for that is oh divine power you know divine command theory yeah you know for the monarchs or you can go into like the hobbesian sense and talk about the social contract which is like the foundation for government and you can go through those but eastern philosophy naturally accepts that there should be a ruler their main central question that they're concerned with is how can the ruler benefit their people and then this is where you get into your Confucius. And then this is where you get into your later Chinese philosophers. And you're, you're minoring
0: in philosophy, too, Yes, right? I am. I
1: yeah. think it really complements my major for political science. Yeah. And, I mean, and there's a lot of intersection. Like, one of the classes I'm taking is political philosophy, too. Yeah. So it's like, oh, this is perfect. Maybe we can get into that, too. But, like, mm-hmm. you know. It, if, <laughs> if, it all, if it all works out, if it, if it flows, then, it, then we do that. That's yeah. just how it goes. Yeah.
0: Um, but that's very interesting. Um, so there's different uh, philosophical beliefs between Eastern and Western philosopher- philosophers. Uh, what are the differences between ancient and modern
1: philosophers? Well, I guess it depends on the subject matter Yeah. in this case. Okay. So, I mean, when it comes to a lot of the viewpoints, we can say we've become a lot more... Okay, you see, this is a really tough one to answer, just because there's so many different beliefs. And are we even talking about, and by philosophy, so are we talking about just ways people conduct themselves? Or are we talking about, like, the foundation for knowledge? Or what are we really getting to? Let's
0: start off, let's start off simple, and let's start off with the ways that people conduct themselves. Okay. If, if that's simple. Oh, that's, I, how, to be honest, that's <laughs> a lot more complex. Okay, well. It's a lot more
1: complex. It's like, like for well, example. Well, then what's the most oh, simple? <laughs> For example, it's just the foundations for knowledge in general. Okay, the foundations yes. for knowledge, yeah. Yes. Uh, Which is already difficult in itself, yes, I'll be honest. Yeah, yeah. Like the, it's all difficult. The thing is, like I like to take the approach when okay, so like when it comes to religion. Like the approach I like to take is before you can say a doctrine is correct, prove the God. Yeah. And the thing is, if you want to say that these different philosophies are better, we'll demonstrate that the hmm, I'm trying to find the right wording for this. But if you want to prove the philosophy, kind of demonstrate that we have a mind-independent reality. Is it dualism? Is it monism? Or are we going to go into the different subsections? You know, like, is it all based on behavior, behavioralism? Or do you want to get rid of all of that entirely and rely on eliminative materialism? Which is actually one of the more interesting ones that's up for debate. And the reason for that, and I think this ties okay. perfectly to your lore, first, believe it or not. yeah,
0: that, that, that sounds that sounds good. Mm-hmm. But first, let's define dualism
1: mm-hmm.
0: um of course a, so and the other uh, the other terms that you just used I
1: am, i'm getting way ahead of myself <laughs> yeah, you are
0: but hey it's okay <laughs> yeah uh it just shows that you have a lot of knowledge that is flowing through your your head and i appreciate uh, that, that that's, that's something that we need to we need to explore of course um, so what Like, define dualism and... Monism. um, Monism, yeah.
1: Okay, so these two belief systems. So dualism is saying that, oh, there is a mind-independent reality. The mind is separate from the body. Okay. And then monism is pretty much that the mind and body are one. So is it like a soul? So, well, believe it or not, so let's use Descartes for this because he's considered to be, like, one of the bigger founders in, like, this kind of of area of expertise. So... When the mind the mind it doesn't necessarily mean the brain it could act, the mind also can be referenced to the soul yeah. and John Locke actually has that belief okay that the mind and the soul are technically the same thing and even when you go to more other religious philosophers you would have like George Berkeley who actually says that the mind the soul and whatever we like to call the thinking thing is the mind okay or you can use them interchangeably believe yeah. it or not
0: all right, um, and then and then, so that that's the difference between dualism and and mon, mono, monoism. Uh, well, just monism. Yeah. Monism. Yeah. Um, and then th- there was one more that you said.
1: Um. Well, the the, the two main schools of thought well, is du- dualism, is and, monism dualism and, monism, and monism. But then you get to the many different like subcategories yeah. within them. So like is, is that like um, ah, the,
0: it's the idea of of con- consciousness. Um. God, I forgot. There 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 is an actual de- definition for. For if we are free, like free will, the debate mm-hmm. between free will and, and predeterminism, and predeterminism, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what what, I'm, what is that similar to that, um,
1: that? There's certain aspects that go into it when you break down da- break down the stuff. But let me use an example. Um, so let's use let's go into like more idealism and like radical skepticism. Okay. So one of these examples that George Berkeley likes to use is he actually denies and he actually I can't say he fully denies an external world. But he holds the position that whatever we believe is the external world isn't what it actually is. And the reason for this is because um, idealists tend to believe that, oh, uh, sense, uh, sense, uh, sensations and reason equals experience. And with experience, what happens is you start to perceive things. And when you perceive things, you start to formulate ideas. But you can't perceive something ex- outside of your mind because you need your mind to perceive things. Yeah. And it doesn't necessarily mean that it's all the same. So, for example, this, one of his best examples he likes to use is the definition of heat. So, heat doesn't necessarily feel the exact same for anyone when they touch it or how they interact with it. You know, sometimes it could be at like a hotter temperature or it's a colder temperature. But um, when you're feeling heat, maybe you are experiencing it in a different fashion. So... Um, one example is, this, let's, say you're touch, you're, let's say you touch it. Let's say you touch the flame, yeah. and like your hand is like kind of like burning. But you put it in cool water. Well, you're still experiencing heat and cold at the same time. But how, how do you define heat? Like, is there a specific like temperature that defines it as heat? Yeah. There isn't. It really is your own perception of it, and because of that. We all have our own perceptions of how we see things. Like, I guess one of the biggest like mind trips that I think about is like if we see the color, like the color of this table we're sitting at when we're discussing this, it's brown. It's but, brown. Yeah, we call it brown, but how do we actually know we're seeing the exact same
0: color? I mean, we could one of us could be color blind, but it's also that it's language. Language allows us to define something as something, and then if we say something is different, then mm-hmm. we can see it. We can try to figure out okay. How, how do we define that word?
1: Well, language isn't always even the best way to do it, too. Yeah. And this actually relates to Taoism uh, um, in Eastern philosophy, which is that these words don't actually help us at all. So when we say something is big or small, well, it, when we look at an ant, we're going to say that's small.
0: Yeah, but well, it's relative.
1: Well, exactly. But if it's always relative, then you're going to start having contradictions when you define things. Yeah. Therefore, defining it is never going to work. Mm. and this is why we can't really define things and that's this is why the Tao uh becomes essential to it because when you start describing what the Tao is then you've already lost the plot
0: mm. and the Tao, i mean Tao. whenever i hear mm. Tao, i just think of of genies <laughs> from <laughs> from dnd D. <laughs>
1: But Dao, but
0: Daoism yep. is is it an actual philosophy. Um, and who mm-hmm. is it created by?
1: Um, it's mostly attributed to Lao Tzu. Okay, Lao Tzu. Yes, I mean there's still like other uh, <laughs> other followers and those who've built upon it. Yeah. But um, it's you can't really describe what it is. So, but the best way. So what happens is Lao Tzu goes into it by describing features of what it could be and how it behaves in the world. So this is the best how way you can try to categorize it. What is it? That you don't know. That's Dao for you. Oh you don't actually know. Because Tao okay. predates all existence and even predates the gods. And all that as well. So Tao is basically just the closest before. thing we can think of. Well, it's not just before, it's always there too. It'll be it's, so it's there just... in the beginning, it's currently here now, and it will be there after we're all gone. It is the beginning, middle, and the end. But it's very passive. And because it's passive, like passiveness is associated more with feminine qualities, especially in Eastern philosophy. Yeah. And this is how we get the definition of Mother Earth and Mother Nature, because okay. it's more of that nurturing aspect. Okay. So that just like how I used that example, that's how some people are able to find different ways to categorize certain aspects of the Tao. But you can't actually define what it is. Hmm. And no one can. Wow,
0: that's actually pretty interesting. Gives me ideas. Oh no, I hope so. I hope so. This is the purpose: inspire you, you. So, so before you, you said that that it was something that that ties really well into my lore.
1: Yes. So, um, a, so this is the study of eliminative materialism.
0: Eliminative materialism. M- okay. Yeah. Define that.
1: Okay. So, um, okay. So what happens is so. The more we think about things, the more we start having stress, stresses in our lives. Like, yeah. you know, some like to say a simplistic life is better. But when we realize, like, how much, how much issues we have, we only create more struggles for ourselves and each other. Yeah. So people are struggling to f- figure out a purpose that, and they can't do anything. They feel trapped. Well, eliminative materialism pretty much says, well, let's just find, we all realize that our, it's all chemical reactions in the brain. You know, it's all chemical reactions. So now if we just find the right chemicals to balance everything out, then we don't need to worry about love. We don't need to worry about friendship. We don't need to worry about anything.
0: You just just take shots to put chemicals into you. Exactly. And now you're perfectly balanced. And then... Ooh, that that goes into the conversation. uh, I feel like I heard a podcast talking about this. But basically, like, where... Oh, you take someone out of the Matrix, and they don't want to be out of the Matrix. Like... Like they don't want to come out of it because they they had a good life they had a perfect life in there and then you're taking them out of it and they're not gonna to want to be you know be fighting against against the machine they want to be a part of the machine and um that's the whole I I mean wow that yeah that,
1: it's a very ignorance is bliss thing like in the Matrix in yeah. a way if you really just want to remain in there take the blue pill yeah but hey I feel like we take the red pill <laughs> in I, yeah, a lot we, of ways we we. we, we I mean there's
0: also I feel like it has to do with people who have a rebellious nature to them mm-hmm. um and just see see the how people conform to to ideas in the mainstream and then those people who do not who just see that and are just turned off by that are the ones who will end up probably taking the red pill most most of the time mm-hmm. um and I mean that that's that's fine and it's also fine if you do take the the blue pill but but don't get mad at us when we when we tell you that you know the the reason why you're suffering is because well you're taking the blue pill
1: <laughs> well true but hey even i mean even if you take the red pill you can still know suffering too yeah everyone everyone knows suffering yeah yeah i mean that's the burning of existence but like there's still a lot of good within existence itself yeah so find that balance find what works out for you but make the balance is rarely ever 50 50 mm-hmm. N- never really is you always every situation requires a different type of um characteristic and you need to know which ones to use more in whatever the situation is yeah and that's kind of how you can conduct yourselves in a better way
0: all right so um let's move on from this the, a lot of a lot of stuff oh, that, yeah. you, that you... We're going down the rabbit hole. That's <laughs> philosophy for you. You yeah. will go down the rabbit hole and you
1: will not escape.
0: <laughs> well, it, it's, actually pretty, it's actually pretty interesting to like kind of listen um, to different, like, different people talking about philosophy. Uh, if you ever take a philosophy class, it's actually, it's actually really fun to kind of dive into, well, like the, I, the idea of the trolley problem. I, actually let, let's go That's, into that. Oh my yes. <laughs> the trolley problem. Classic. So, so my brother got this game and it's literally the, the trolley problem. Mm-hmm. And um you you basically get get a uh, there's like a card that shows that shows the trolley and then everyone like there's two there's multiple teams and the teams get to get these uh deck, decks of cards and they ha- they each have different like people that will be on the train tracks. And basically there's one person who, who gets to choose which track they're going they're going to go down and the, the all the teams have to try to f- make it to where they survive and okay. the other track fails i like that i actually it's really actually like that pretty fun. okay i definitely want
1: to try that yeah, i definitely yeah, want to a, try that. that that
0: one's actually pretty fun but, yeah yeah let's go into the, into the trolley hmm. problem um, have you been have you ever talked about the trolley problem inside your any of your philosophy classes
1: oh my uh, we talked about it in one of my intro ones we talked about it in ethical theory and I actually been talking about it uh, more recently too, yeah. and like different variations. So like, there's the doctor example, and then there's still like many other variations of the trolley problem just within the trolley example itself. Yeah. yeah. Like there, I mean, there's the one that says, "Oh, you make a promise never to turn the track," and then there's like, "Oh, do you push the obese person over the trolley to save yeah. others if they're a bystander?" Yeah. Like there's so many, there's different, so many variations different variations. So many different variations. But the classic trolley problem, just so the viewers know. Well,
0: I mean, a lot. Yeah. Of, if you've seen uh, uh, what's, the good place, the good place it's definitely the best you, way to just learn about it. You'll def- definitely <laughs> learn about it quick. Yeah, um, but that's a mainstream example of what, where it's where it's shown. Um, exactly. Uh, but go hmm. ahead and define just the trolley yeah.
1: problem. Okay, so trolley problem. Pretty much, what happens is you're on the tro- You're on this trolley, and what happens is it can either continue going straight, or you can turn it to go one direction. If it goes straight, it's going to kill five people. But if you turn it, then it only kills the one. So what is the ethical thing to do in this situation? Now, mo- now there's three schools of thought you get, which is virtue ethics, deontology, and utilitarianism. So just to quickly describe the di- what those different things are, virtue ethics is mostly associated with Aristotle. And, he pre- and they pretty much say, oh, it- when you practice your virtues, then you become a more virtuous person. You become a better person as you practice these things deontology is the more Immanuel Kant position which is that there's one thing to do that's always right it's your duty to do this yeah and it's very strict in this way yeah it is and utilitarianism learning about it mm -hmm. and utilitarianism is pretty much the great it can be summarized as the greatest good for the greatest number but this is where you get into like your Jeremy Bentham's and your John Stuart Mill's yeah for this stuff and it becomes more of a calculation. The problem is the critique of utilitarianism is that well a lot of utilitarian calculations um ignore human rights. And then that became, that becomes a huge issue as well.
0: Yeah, it's like it's like the idea of of looking at um statistics st- uh, a, st- a statist- statistical analysis on on maybe like um, the amount of deaths of of a certain a certain disease like,
1: well, actually, um, one one little one little fun fact. So, Jeremy Bentham is one of the people mostly accredited with utilitarianism. One of the earlier drafts, and then John Stuart Mill was actually um, a student. His student yeah. who actually um, popularized it a lot further. But Jeremy Bentham came up with something known as the he, uh, the hedonistic calculus. So he literally actually has a calculation for pleasure and pain as in units. Oh, geez. And he actually goes into how on doing. Now, I will admit, it's very. Um, it's very is it ma- blunt. Is it's it very blunt. It's more blunt than okay. mathematical. Okay. But they they have like their own steps on like oh this is how you see how it affects these people and how it affects those people. But I'll get into how utilitarianism actually has a defense for it in one of the trolley examples. Okay. But um, the original trolley problem though. So most people take the utilitarian position. Oh, it is better to pull it because you're saving the five instead of the one. Yeah. I mean, but, yeah. You're saving the five. Yeah. But then what if that one is one. your
0: is your long
1: lost loved one and that you haven't seen in forever in forever um. you know exactly and then you have to think well then what do you do here and then there's oh well i don't want to be a part of this i don't want to decide what happens but then you know is the lack of choice still a choice and i mean in regards, it kind of ultimately is but i mean there's still a lot of debate surrounding that and then the thing is though more people will say that they will choose to save the five instead of the one but now let's re- let's reverse this a bit where what happens is we, let's say, and then let's use the, that fat man example that we were just getting into.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so, you know, you're, you're, you're a bystander this time. And what happens is you're walking by and you see that this trolley is going to hit and kill five people. But there is a very obese individual standing at the edge. And for some unknown reason, you come to the conclusion that if you push this fat ass over the fucking thing, it, he will die. But he will stop it from killing the five. Yeah. So... And now a lot of people say, well, no, don't kill the f- – don't do that. So yeah. now you're thinking, okay, now it's not just about the f- – it's not just about five versus one. So why is this one so much more guttural? And because why is debate. this one more like, wrong?
0: I remember in, in my philosophy – my intro to mm-hmm. philosophy class, we actually went through this, and then we had to vote. Everyone in class had to mm-hmm. vote, and then we had to uh, – we had to argue our our, our point – on why we voted the way we did. Exactly. And, like, the entire class would always get into huge arguments about mm-hmm. everything. And that's why philosophy is it, actually fun. Well,
1: it, it is. And actually, my so my brother's actually taking a philosophy class right now. Yeah. And he, he's doing this exact same thing. Yeah. And and here's the funniest thing. I, I can't believe no one thought of this before. But um, when it came to the Fat Man variation, more people said to push him off. And then I'm trying to figure out why is that the case. And they pretty much just said, because if he's that obese, he probably wants to die anyway.
0: <laughs> I, was,
1: I was like, what? Oh my
0: god! Oh my god! Hey, just so we, just so you know that that isn't that isn't yeah, our opinion. This is not our opinion. This, it this was just the, it was just the class. It what the about class, them. and I was and like, said. oh my god.
1: I mean, I would never do that. That's how oh. dark the world is getting yeah. today. Oh, exactly. Yeah. But no, but yeah. <laughs> oh, man. It, there's just so much that goes into that's it. That's pretty funny. But now let's go to the but more- That's fucked up, but yeah. it's pretty let, funny. No, let's go to the more violation of rights. So let me use like the doctor example. Yeah. So what happens is you have one doctor who has five patients and they each need an, or- they need organ transplants and there's one healthy patient that's inside. And if you kill that healthy person, then you can guarantee you the survival of the other five. Hmm. And so is it better to kill that one to save the five or not? And more people say, no, it's wrong to kill this healthy individual to save those five. Yeah. And like, there's many reasons for that, such as, well, we don't know, we don't know what caused the other five to get the health problems that they do to need that. They're not related whatsoever. Why should a random healthy person have to sacrifice his life for these other people? And you're violating their autonomy because they don't want to do this. Like, in the example, they print, much say, like, this person doesn't want to die to save these people that he doesn't even know. Yeah. So now it becomes a lot more guttural that way, too. So this—and the main reason why we do a lot of these thought experiments is to show the burden of proof in law when crimes are committed. Okay, so now you understand the thought process in regards to it, too. And that's—I mean, that's really what it comes down to in this regard, but wow, sorry, I'm just, I'm just, re- I'm just reliving all this stuff, and it's, it's, it's great. I just remember the debates in class. The, the thing that's, over that's this.
0: just flowing through my head is mm-hmm. is all the stuff that happens in the good place, mm-hmm. and like, <laughs> it, it, yeah, it, it's pretty funny. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm actually, when it comes to when it comes to death and and all that stuff, well, uh, in reborn in power. I talk about like how death is is not the is not the end, the end it's actually like just a new beginning for you and uh the idea of rebirth and the last episode was uh about how rebirth became like a, a new philosophy throughout the core realms um and I'm also thinking about how this pertains to existentialism and how like people have ex- existential crisis, crises and because of their inevitable demise that that they will eventually die and they won't be able to do the things that they want to do within their lifespan and that like this this is a concept that we all struggle with because we're we're, we're human and we are we are going to die and uh i kind of want your take on on that and what like what the philosophy behind existentialism and 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 all and all that stuff and how like how different philosophers kind of take taken to
1: that well not every philosopher touches specifically on like just existence itself like you know others may focus more on epistemology which is like the foundation of knowledge yeah and others will go into like oh political philosophy and like what what how should a government behave when ruling their people so there's many different ways people take it but just my personal opinion on existentialism and all that is one of my first um run-ins with existentialism and it's not like a personal experience it's just like me being taught this yeah we would talk about existentialism versus the absurd and pretty much you know we have our existential crisis but the absurd position is pretty much that oh we all are gonna die so we might as well just kill ourselves now yeah which that's absurd
0: (laughs) yes that is very absurd
1: but there's but i mean there's these people that hold these certain thoughts because you know when they can't find a purpose then they, they literally result to this. And we realize there's a lot that goes into it. But the things that save these people, maybe it's religion. Or maybe they find a different other form of purpose. Yeah. To find something else to live for. Or maybe they live for themselves. Maybe there is this greed that drives people. Like, I'll admit, for me, there's a lot more self-interest that drives me than, like, this altruism. That's,
0: that's where we get into Ayn Rand and, I mean, all that oh, yeah. stuff. <laughs> well, not just that,
1: but even there's even other Eastern philosophers. Yeah. Like, the one of the ones I'm doing for one of my readings, to, like, for this week, actually ha- says that, hey, there's a lot more self-interest. And it isn't inherently bad, but we still got to try to cultivate those moral virtues somehow. Yeah,
0: yeah. and like it's the whole idea of uh, ethical dilemmas and, well, I mean, the trolley problem is an ethical, ethical dilemma. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, just, just, we need to be able to find, find some kind of purpose. And like, well, we, in my opinion, I believe that humans are just meaning machines. We, we strive to find meaning mm-hmm. in something and, strive to find meaning in, in anything because, like language, language is all about is about all about meaning. And we need, and in order to define a word, everyone needs to have consensus on that on that specific word. Um,
1: I don't think we're ever going to find consensus on pretty much anything, just in general as a species. Yeah, no, I don't no. think that's ever going to happen. No, but, but I I, mean, I know what you're getting I mean,
0: it, at, and I do agree. There there is a potential as we as we evolve and 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 create more, um, but you know it's it's really difficult because there is a there is this concept where humanity uh kind of strives for two two separate things they they strive to always to always like advance and and grow but then they also they they also contradict themselves by by wanting to stay stagnated where they are because well, they're comfortable
1: <laughs> well then i guess here's my question for you um do you believe that humanity is intrinsically good or bad or is it just neutral? Cuz based on how you answer this question is going to determine a lot of how you define humanity and where it really goes down where it really goes and why we have this contradiction.
0: That's a difficult question. Um I think I think in a way humanity is Neutral. It's like a spectrum. I would say.
1: I'll, I'll give that to, I'll give you that one. Yeah. yeah. But
0: well, I mean, I kind of think of it as too. Like, I mean, like I. I think it's it borders on good, mm-hmm. but then that is also their self interest, mm-hmm. and and like I hope self interest is is also good, mm-hmm. it, but it's like, it's like this also. It's it's this idea that if we we are born without any real like real beliefs or real. real Real things and and those things are instilled into us. But like, are are they inherent? Are they are are they? You know, we we are taught, oh, like the hero saves the day, we and, and all that stuff. But is that that's just a marketing ploy? And we we do this because we want to, you know, we want to strive to to get all get all the babes surrounding us or something like that. I was just gonna say, but like this, I, I, I was there's just a lot say, more. We could, to just, it. we
1: could just claim their stories to try to cultivate moral virtue. Yeah.
0: But I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's you, some you self-interest about me. getting all that. I, I like to complicate things in my head, so <laughs> well, that's
1: why you have this game.
0: Yeah,
1: <laughs> but I like that. I like that. Yeah, um, but yeah,
0: it, it's. I think it's more neutral, but it it borders on good. But then there are there are those those who who want power power and cl- and try to claim power, um, have the potential to become corrupted by said power. And that is always going to happen. They will always be like, they will always be tempted by some kind of corruption.
1: So pretty much, you're agreeing that almost everyone's tempted by it.
0: Yes, if you if you if you strive to, to go up,
1: I think everyone strives to go up, it's just a little too yeah, long. everyone wants I, to put the effort in. Yeah, exactly. And this is and then that's the contradiction we're getting at. Yeah. No, so
0: everyone everyone stagnates and, and stays where where they are, but then they won't try to get back,
1: get up. And, and fight because they're afraid of what, what's on the other end of the door. Well, it's because they don't know. Yeah. I mean, and that's the, that's like the biggest fear about it. Yeah. And like, th- this and is. like, I,
0: mm-hmm. I, 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 do this too. So, like, I, I'm not, I'm not saying that I, I don't do this. I'm, 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 you know, I'm to blame, I guess. I don't we're know, all to, guilty, I, man. Yeah, we're, we're, we're all guilty in some way. And that's just humanity. And we have to, we have to fight it, you know, um.
1: It's more of just learn and move on. Yeah, I mean the thing is, we we have to let people actually learn to make their mistakes. And like this is where my personal philosophies come in. It's like I want people to have, and, and like here's the thing. I know when we say like freedom and liberty, they sound like a bunch of empty platitudes that don't actually have a specific meaning, because and it then kept, it sounds very reacted. Well, not just that, but also it sounds very reactionary yeah. at the same time.
0: Yeah, but then but then the reason why they're so important, like we, we for we forget. We forget how important things are when we become too comfortable with them, mm-hmm. and then once we become too comfortable with them, people use that to their advantage to take to, to take control of over the situation. And once they take control over the situation, and you lose those liberties, those mm-hmm. freedoms, then you're going to start realizing, oh crap, I understand what freedom is. Of course, but by the time you realize that, then it's already it's, too late. It's already gone. Yeah, exactly. And then yeah. you ha- and then you have to wait until the new generations who mm-hmm. are stronger than you to. Fight back and take it back.
1: Well, I mean, well, based on like, remember what Damien said in the previous uh, guest entry, yeah. where it says like we're at like one of the best places in our history yeah. as a species, and yet like we find we're and we act like we're more miserable than everyone else is.
0: It's because but, like, like we, we try to find new problems and, and exactly and everything is all about, all about negativity, 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 and and people just cannot see any.
1: Because we're getting too comfortable. Like, of course, there are definitely issues that need to be fixed, and there's going to be others that just n- will never be solved. Like, hey, we just got to accept that. Yeah. But this this is why we really are at this point, because we're getting to a place where we're just so comfortable that now we need to no longer be comfortable. Yeah. And then we're just creating the strides for ourselves. Because the problem is, we no longer have the mental fortitude to actually come up with solutions and enact them. We're only smart enough to complain about shit. That's really it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I should stop complaining about this shit.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, everyone complains about this shit. Like no matter what yeah, field I mean, you're in, and no matter what you do, we we're all we're all to
0: blame. Okay, that's the premise of this episode. I should just name it "We're All to Blame." <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, as long as that's as long as we can say that's your quote, I'm cool with that. <laughs> no, no,
0: this this is your this is your episode,
1: Jaren. Uh, um, okay,
0: uh, let's let's get back I'll to philosophy. It. But that was that was pretty good. Um, mm-hmm. so uh, do you have any other? Uh, people that you want to talk about within your notes there? Because I see you have a lot oh, of notes.
1: Well, I just brought this just in case, but, yeah. like, I mean... Well, is, okay. is there
0: any specific uh, philosopher that you that you have, like, taken an interest in recently?
1: Okay, well, okay, in more recent times, I've definitely taken a lot more interest in uh, the Eastern philosophers because we I didn't, have, I didn't have too much of a good conception of it. Like, one of the only Eastern philosophers I actually, like, know about is Sun Tzu you know the art of war like yeah, that yeah that's yeah, just... that, yeah i remember you, you would talk about that i love when, sun tzu when Su. we first started hanging out yeah i yeah, <laughs> no, i love sun tzu and all that but you know but like, i, I I'm, started I'm sure learning a lot, a lot mm-hmm. of
0: people know about sun tzu you know, not...
1: yeah exactly and like military generals use sun tzu's book all the time Yeah, for all this stuff just like how a lot of poli- a lot of politicians read uh, machiavelli's the prince Yeah, for like governing and along these lines Machia... too
0: Ma- is machiavelli still your
1: your uh... favorite You know, now that I've read all these other philosophers, I'm almost getting to the point where just like how Nietzsche is like every edgelord's favorite philosopher, (laughs) like Machiavelli is now becoming like the, oh, it's like the edgelord's political philosopher (laughs) Yeah. in a way. But no, at the same... Well, here's the thing that most people don't understand about Machiavelli, which is that he himself was not a Machiavellian. He, He did... Like, okay, so he's the one who pretty much said, it is better to be feared than loved if one cannot be both. But he himself didn't actually believe that. So the circumstance of how he wrote, became, he actually came to write the Prince was that he was a, he was like his uh, he was like the equivalent of a senator back in Italy. But what happened was um, the empire was taken over, and someone else came someone else came into power, and they pretty much imprisoned him. And he says the only way we'll let you live or you know do this is if you can get help provide a guide. And he was like one of the best intellectuals of his time. During that. And he... And this is how the prince... That that little book was made. And it became the guide on how to govern. Now, Machiavelli says, there's no way I can do what's in this book. But if you want to govern, this is what you have to do. Wow. And you have to separate That's mora- actually very
0: interesting. You have
1: to separate morality from politics. And, and that's... And I mean, that's the, like, how a lot of this stuff connects. And like, this is why I can't stand when people try to make everything about morality. Like, there is... Uh, you, you know, like, there is a process... For a lot of things, and there's a lot more that goes into it rather than just oh, does this make you feel good? Is this just right or wrong? It's never that simple.
0: For for me, for me, I I like I go to a quote that I always think about, and it's um, it's to claim moral superiority is to be morally inferior, and that's like something that I that I try to think about, mm-hmm. and it's like okay, I I am never going to say that I am morally superior than, mm-hmm. than someone else because. Then The second you do that, the then you, you can justify
1: that. all the atrocities. Yeah. But at the same time, I don't take a moral or cultural relativist stance either. Because there's certain things, I believe, that are just inherently evil in themselves. Like, you know, don't don't straight up kill people. Yeah. Like And the thing is, religion has helped with that a lot. Like, you know, the yeah, the is. Ten Commandments, they have some very good things in there too. You know, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not co- covet their, thy neighbor's wife. Yeah. Like, there is a lot of good that even comes from these religions as well that uh, paved the way for a lot of philosophy too. And, you know, a lot of these are conveyed through different stories. I mean, there's biblical stories that you go, that's brought into to get these points across. Eastern philosophy likes to use a lot of um, comparisons, like, uh, like you talk about like moral cultivation through like plants. Like there's many different ways that people like to get these stories and messages across. And I think a lot of that does can apply to your game as well. Where we can, where you can come up like certain um, stories or different ideas, and then it becomes the philosophies of those worlds, or maybe there's competing philosophies within them. Yeah. So like, um, Vicronius, for example, and all that. Like, you know, since that tends to be a lot more tech oriented, we could say there's a lot of virtual reality. Well, in this case, you could probably just doubt that there's even any external world at all if you're so entrapped within that system. Yes. So yeah. the best way to, so the best philosophy to use is eliminative materialism. Because this way, you as long as you have the chemical balance, then you're pretty much okay with your existence. Yeah. And then you don't need anything else. You really don't. And, and, but in that world. But then let's say we go to Venus in the Nest, which is, you know, the harbor. Oh, not the harbor, but like our libertarian paradise is yeah. like what we like to call it. Well, then, okay, let's get into our Ayn Rand's. Let's get into the virtue of sel- selfishness. Yeah. And all of those things. And then we can understand... Because the the main core... And this is one of the big, bigger reasons why I like Ayn Rand, even though a lot of people like to try to give her a bad name, which is that she really helps lay out the position, especially in her virtue of selfishness, that if you can't protect the rights of the individual, there is no way you're going to protect the rights of the collective. Mm-hmm. And this is why I can't stand collectivism and how it's portrayed in our politics. Yeah. In that regard. but like, Do you, so,
0: do you think that we need... Like a little bit of collectivism, though.
1: Um, so oh, in a way, like in homogeneity in thought, not not in like strict nationality, like liberalism. Yeah. Like, now, liberalism in an international sense, which is pretty much has which okay, it's tenets of liberalism. There, I mean, there's many, and if you talk to different philosophers that go into this, they give many different definitions. But um, liberalism, internationally speaking, cares about individual rights and equality. But in the U.S. sense, when we say, oh, something is more liberal, we tend to go more to the political left. And as we know, the political left is going more towards a collective and a more equitable outcome. Yeah. And we see that a lot of those actually contradict what liberalism actually is.
0: Yeah,
1: And I mean, and even the political right in the United States has issues where they contradict this, too. And like, I'm just as pissed off at them in different areas, too. Because they're the ones who use, use, use freedom and li- freedom and liberty and, like, you very You can point bl- blame at senses. both
0: sides, okay?
1: Of oh, course. <laughs> 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 no, so you know how some say both sides are a little bit good? I say both sides are equally shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: But, um, we got kind of a little bit into politics there. But, uh, well, it's
1: because, well, because philosophy translates into this. Yes. It does. Like, all every time it's going to do this. It, it does. And, like, uh, people want—and, like, of course, I totally understand why people don't like politics— and like and, and listen if I wasn't passionate about the subject matter, I would want I would never want anyone to talk to me about well, it. Well, I,
0: I, <laughs> I, when I when when I was younger and I wasn't mm-hmm. and I wasn't really politically like motivated, I I didn't understand why it was such a taboo to talk talk about politics at the dinner table mm-hmm. until I got into
1: politics. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and now you're entirely like falling apart, Matt.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's over. It's over. <laughs>
0: no um it's not it's not over and Mm -hmm. like you know you you have to you have to mend relationships and just know know when to be the better person i suppose
1: well exactly well in the thing but even then like mm
0: -hmm. like how can you be the better person like it's
1: it you stop being the better person when you can't have dialogues and you can't agree to disagree on things yeah The second you assume someone's evil for not having a position, for like having the wrong position, because you just assume that they're idiotic, that's when you lose. Yeah, but what if they're idiotic? Well, then it's just
0: like then would it be would it be instead of instead of sending them to the gulag, send them to (laughs) send them to let me like talk to them, mm. have them like try to reason with them. Well, well, here's a few things. How do you reason with that?
1: Well. OK, well, now let's take um, an example from uh, Chuang Su, which is so Eastern philosopher. So he actually takes a lot of Taoism into his account, but he says that debates are pointless. And the reason why debates are pointless is, okay, let's say you have two people. Let's say you hold a position and I hold a different position. OK. Well, if I'm right, does that mean you're necessarily wrong? Or if you're right, does that mean I'm necessarily wrong? And if we can't come to an agreement, even if we come to an agreement, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's true or not, based on our perceptions of the thing. Now, let's say we get a third party. Well, if the third party agrees with you, well, does that necessarily mean that I'm wrong? And if the third party agrees with me, does that necessarily mean you're wrong? And if they don't agree with us, either of us, then now we have a third perspective. So... Now, when you put all this together, you can't actually get to any truth whatsoever. So then yeah. debates are pointless. And actually, now this actually ties, in, this ties
0: into that, that other thing that you were talking about.
1: Well, not just that too, but so, okay. I, sorry, okay, so sorry. I actually want to reference uh, uh, Carl Schmidt. Now, here's the thing, and I will preface this right now. A lot of his work, he later does join, uh, he literally does, he does later join the Nazi party at some point. But okay. the reason why I'm bringing him up is that he had a specific critique of parliamentarism and Which is... so okay so you know how the british government have like a parliamentary system okay. but his definition of parliamentarism is very much like what we like to call democracy so this is why it's very difficult to like always discuss those things but he says one of the biggest weaknesses of parliamentarism is that it's now become an empty formality no one actually cares about the openness and debate. It's just everyone trying to preach to their bases. And, and
0: when did when did this stuff the nineteen twenties nineteen twenties? Okay, so literally a century ago.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So it's like it start. I think it was like nineteen twenty five, nineteen twenty eight, and then you know, the, and then as like the next ten years go by, this is when he finally joins the Nazi party, and then like all that stuff yeah. happens. That's bad, but. His critique about parliamentarism is very, like, he really hits the nail on the head. Hmm. And especially, like, when we to see how our political discourse correl- like, is today, just yeah. in general. And, like, and even though I completely disagree with Schmidt on regards to, like, what his conclusions are in a lot of these areas, like, of course me, you know, I, well, I, I'll just be honest, I'm, I'm a libertarian. So, like, I want str- to, you know, I want most people to have as much freedom as they can, but also at the same time, I know that's not a tenable position at yeah. the long run because... Um, and I do take the position that humanity itself is more, it's not naturally, it's not intrinsically good. I think that our self-interest can either guide us to a more very selfish place, or it can get us a little more to an altruistic area too. But it depends how we cultivate that. And the what happens is when we cultivate, well, of course, when we cultivate these moral virtues, then we actually get to a better place. But... Um, so for, okay, so let's go into Confucius real quick. And the reason why I want to bring this up is that he believes that we should cultivate moral virtues, but he only gained like 72 followers in his initial thing when his stuff was starting to become popularized. And he was the one who says, oh, we should cultivate these virtues. Most people won't do that. They won't, they won't cultivate them. They, they are, a lot of them are lazy in this regard, which is why you need the laws to, that tells them what to do because that acts as the deterrent. So, you can either have the positive thesis that oh, we cultivate more virtues and they become better people, or we t- we have or we take the negative thesis where law is a deterrent to stop us from doing bad things. But just because we don't do bad things doesn't necessarily make us good either. And mm-hmm. that's where we really hit like this intersection of like there's this like middle ground or there's this neutral thing, but we can't really ever get to it. Like everyone's just kind of in this.
0: Yeah, they're just stuck.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, everyone's they're, stuck. It's not even
0: that they're stuck; they're just wanting to stay stuck.
1: Well, no, everyone wants to stay. Um, man, I hate to use Kevin Hart because I yeah. I literally don't care about this guy at all. <laughs> but like Mo, w- w- what was he saying along the lines of like, everybody wants to be famous, but nobody wants to put the work in. <laughs> like that's literally. I mean, that's literally it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um. Well, uh, I think that's pretty good for our, for our episode here.
1: Oh, huh? okay. Yeah, hey, I'm uh, unless you want to good. talk more. Well, I mean, well, tell, me, tell me, is there any like more topics? That you want to relate more stuff to your game? Like, Is there anything more you want to go into? Well,
0: I'm going to be going into more Texian philosophy this next week, which mm-hmm. kind of dives, dives more into the metaphysical uh, a- aspects of philosophy. Um, I'm not sure if you know any, like, like, know any philosophers that dive into metaphysics and, 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 I mean, that, that kind of, that kind of goes along the line of religion. I would say, as well, because it, it kind of, like, talks about, like, how, like, how the universe came to be, and and all the different all the different energies that flow around it, and oh, well, but actually, that also goes into science, too. Well, a lot of
1: philosophers go into that, too. I mean, Descartes goes into it, even Locke goes into it, too, yeah. uh, George Berkeley goes into it, and, like, these are just on the Western ones, but like we said, we talked about, like, what makes up the universe itself, like, this is where you get into your yin and yang talk as well. Yeah. So, like a lot of philosophers in all these West and Eastern and like many different periods, actually do go into the metaphysics, Yeah. metaphysical.
0: Yeah, and realm. then and then we. What about the the transition from from the metaphysical uh, realm to the scientific realm, and how? Because I know like there was Galileo and mm-hmm. and. Uh, like all, all all the all the different like sci- scientists from from like ancient ancient mm-hmm. scientists. Well, I wouldn't really say they're they're ancient but
1: oh ancient's relative. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're back but, at that um, I think I know what there, you mean. There are
0: those there are those scientists that, that were able to to kind of uh, like get an understanding of like mm-hmm. our universe. Like the, the biggest one was mm-hmm. Albert Einstein mm-hmm. who kind of gave us general relativity and and gave us a sense of how how gravity kind of functions in in a a way and how the universe is to a certain degree there there are now like there's Mm -hmm. now like all all these other theories of trying trying to mix together quantum mechanics and and general relativity into one to create some kind of like super theory um which is like the theory of everything yeah but when it comes to like philosophy and science you see metaphysics and that is how like they believe they they believe like the mm-hmm. universe came to be, and there's like there's the, there's a concept of like I maybe mean, maybe there's like a demiurge or like a, mm-hmm. like a god that that takes con- that is all all about like the minds of of all creatures and mm-hmm. all that stuff. And I take from that I, I take oh, cool. from that, mm-hmm. and I I also kind of incorporate like some other things that like Damien Damien and I like played played my game when it was first like the first mm-hmm. iterations of it, and. We, he, he helped me kind of find the right path to take in order to incorporate religions into it. Mm -hmm. And then when I, when I got into philosophy, I was like, okay, now I actually want to like incorporate philosophy into my.
1: Well, I would like to say philosophy is a very good middle ground between religion and science. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, so, like Descartes, he was actually a pretty smart guy, even though in, he was, like, heavily religious, too. And what he does is, for him to prove that there is a world that exists outside of us, he first, um, in the meditations, he pretty much sets up reasons for us to doubt our senses. Like, he would use, like, the argument from dreams and, like, the most infamous um, evil deceiver scenario. And then because we can't trust our senses, he needs to say, how do we actually form any belief of knowledge? And then that's where we get to the I think, therefore I am. But when he gets to his third meditation, he has to prove the existence of God before he can start going to the other things that we can know. And John Locke does something similar too. Except John Locke also um, took a bunch of inspiration from other scientists because he actually went to a lot of elite universities in his time. And some of his closest friends were scientists. And he actually references them in his um, uh, his essays of, uh, was it, like an essence for human understanding? Hmm. Something along those lines. So, like, certain passages, when he talks about, like, how a candle wax changes formation, he will reference, like, certain scientific hypotheses in these regards. And then he would actually explain, like, how does this affect our perception and our way we know things. Hmm. And, you know, so a lot of these really do intersect in that way, too. But I would say John Locke is definitely one of the better individuals that really knows how to combine science and religion for like a really good philosophical point and just like he uses that to really bridge that gap yeah
0: yeah all right well yeah, that's you have anything else to say sure uh,
1: well, I mean I feel like I could talk about this stuff for, for hours <laughs> so I think you would have to cut me off but I mean if you need me to have like any last words or something give, give me a, give me like a topic give me something and then I could just, I could just go for it okay
0: um, the modern philosophy and how we can pursue something greater in the future. What about uh, the singularity? <laughs> Jared just made a face of like, oh, you just... You just had to <laughs> go there. You just time. had to go there, didn't you? Okay. <laughs> Wait, how about... uh? Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. so so you want to take a break and we could go into it?
1: Do you uh, want to? <laughs> okay, no, okay, okay, okay. No, I'll, I'll be very quick on this. Okay, be so, very quick. Yeah, yeah. So when it comes to like the so when it comes to like the singularity, so my my understanding of the singularity, because I will, I'll be honest, I haven't paid too much attention to like the whole singularity concept for like a couple years. Because the last time I actually referenced this had to do with like in my politics of the future class when we actually discussed how technology is going to get so advanced that we're going to reach Singularity. And I think that year's supposed to be... 20, 2050. 2050. Okay, because I've heard, like, three different years. I've heard 2035, yeah, 2045, I mean, and 2050. It
0: shifts around, but, yeah. like, like, I would say go with the last one. You yeah. just, 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 just to be safe. Just to be safe. Just to be safe.
1: Exactly. But um But
0: I mean that's if we that's if we, you know, destroy ourselves before then.
1: Oh, I I'll be completely honest. I think we're reaching the point of critical mass to where we're going to do that no matter what happens. Yeah. At this point, I seriously think we're going to destroy ourselves before we can really get to anywhere that big. And it's not saying that we'll all be gone by like 2050. What I'm saying is like humanity is going to destroy itself. I don't think anything else is going to destroy us first.
0: So do you think that not not aliens um do you think that robots will end up being like if we end up getting artificial intelligence mm-hmm. um, by maybe like twenty thirty or so, mm-hmm. and we have like robots. I mean, we already have some yeah. crazy, well, crazy I, robots. Well, to if be we honest, put,
1: I don't think we're going to. I don't think those are like. I don't think we're going to have some Terminator style kind uh, of thing. No, I like think not what's not going like that. happen. I, yeah. I
0: think I think what's going to happen is that the humanity is
1: humanity is going to end up you know killing itself off, yeah, well, and then mm-hmm. the robots are going to. I think we're going to try to perfect humanity by using artificial intelligence and combining through our stuff. so and that's our. Yeah. well th- well, here's the thing. That's when where we combine?: Exactly. but when we combined ourselves with them, this is what we actually call the chimeras, and we get into the hybrids, and then eventually we can actually choose, this is what if, if we, we want like our child to have more IQ. Like, you know, let's say we can actually quantify what IQ is. If we want a child of more IQ, you pay like 150 more dollars at birth. And then you can inject them with what's needed for that IQ. You yeah, can and give them that a, That's thing. the
0: idea of of giving the different the different um, chemicals, chemical mm-hmm. reactions to stay like, exactly you know, locked. Well, into these that and mainstream. this is
1: what becomes the hybrids. This is where you get to the chimeras, and this is how you get into those kind of topics.
0: So, do you want to do you want to do do you want to do a separate segment for for this, or do you want to?
1: Um, you know, maybe on maybe on a future date, but I would like future to do date? a lot more reading on this, on this before so I go more. Into, yeah, because I the stuff I know on this was mostly like stuff from like two years ago, and then maybe like a couple other podcasts where I've heard stuff before. For
0: that one, will will that will be when I'm when I'm diving into like the future and like really deep technology about maybe about chronics and and lore about synchronous and all that stuff. I'll, We'll, right, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely find that. a
1: wa- way to relate that in on a future yeah. episode for sure. Yeah. I'm definitely down for that yeah. because you know I'm the cash cow of all your guests, man. I'm gonna keep coming back. I'm gonna milk this. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, soon I I do want to start doing uh, actual actual videos and and um, an actual video stream. Well, no, not like stream. I think the stream it was it was difficult to to handle. Um, but I I think like a YouTube channel or some, or something along that lines mm-hmm. would be. Um, beneficial uh I'm probably going to use it more so as like a, a lore masters like mm-hmm. guide in a way to help uh coming players to pl- play reborn and power and if you also want to join in um, I'm opening up my discord for other others to, to come in and, and play my new campaign which is called mission control uh it is very interesting actually they 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 got a lot of information at at the last session, um, and I'm thinking about having them, like some of their characters be the, the, uh, the guinea pigs for coming on as guests for this podcast to play through Reborn in Power on this podcast. So I think that'd be fun.
1: Okay. Well, hey, I'm looking forward to see how that plays out then.
0: Yeah, it'll, it'll, it'll be interesting, and I, I think you'll you'll like the storyline too. The storyline's pretty, okay, okay, pretty deep, dude. I, I'm looking forward to it. I'm but it's to going it. to have some tie-ins to, uh, um, your, your campaign that you're in right now, too. Oh,
1: okay, okay. <laughs> of course it is. Of course it is. Okay, I'm looking forward to it.
0: But anyways, uh, thank you for joining, Jaren, and uh, I'm I'm glad that you will be returning, potentially in the future. Mm-hmm. And I look forward to it. And thank you all for listening to our conversation. Thank you for listening to our conversation. As the podcast continues, I will be opening up the guest list to more people who will come on to discuss different topics they're passionate about. It will focus more so on creative types, storytelling, world building, and more but I want to try to incorporate more conversations into this podcast. So if you'd like to support my work to make more of these conversations happen, there are a few ways you can donate. You can receive exclusive content through subscribestar.com slash reborninpower. That's reborn-in-power. You can also support this podcast through Anchor. There should be a link on Spotify or whatever podcasting app you use. But in the end, you can find all these ways to support my work through our And please, share this with your friends who are looking for new ways to entertain themselves. Until then, thank you again for your support. Be safe. Stay safe. And if death comes to you, may you be reborn in power.